Welcome to the Yeet Geek Podcast, where the rest is the best, too. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Oh, I'm the rest. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the best of the rest. Uh, we're almost at the end of the year. This is like it. Actually, you might be listening to this after the new year. Either way, it's the end of our season. The new year is about to kick off or has just kicked off one way or another. Um, but we always do our favorite games of the year, best games of the year episode, and then we do best of everything else and we kind of lump it all in together so that's today yeah so when we do the countdown when we well i i shouldn't even say countdown when we do the lists of things that we have compiled as the best of the rest it's not in any particular genre or medium or anything it is just everything else when we say best of the rest it is either video games or stuff yeah so everything else is in here there's movies there's tv there's podcasts books there's you know events that we've gone to have made it in the past things like that it's like anything else mine this year is kind of mostly movies and tv for my top five which was surprising for me i know you and i were talking about we both kind of wish that we had more books this year which was interesting um but yeah yeah let's let's get into it and see how it goes so as a reminder, these are always based on like what we did this year, so it's not necessarily things that came out this year, even though for the most part, it generally is stuff that came out during this year, um, but it's based on kind of like the first time we experienced something. If it was this year, it can count towards this one, right. um, and like I know one of the ones on my top five was actually something that came out last year after we had recorded this episode. It was like right, right after that is when I saw it, so it kind of made the list for me this year instead. And that one, I know which one you're talking about because I was thinking about this. That one in particular, and we're going to do this very vaguely for you guys for a while. Uh, we're, that one made my list last year, but because it was such a big presence this year as well, it made my honorable mentions. Wow, cool. Okay, so let's get into it. What do you have for your honorable mentions? So the first one that on my honorable mentions, I divided mine into movies and books and podcasts and TV and such. And uh, in the movies, it was Britney Runs a Marathon. I really connected with with this movie that uh, it was something that I was really surprised by. I didn't expect the level of care that was taken with it in terms of the way that they handled uh, like weight shaming and personal body image stuff. Um, it really got a lot of feels and it got them right. So I really wanted to put that on uh, on my honorable mentions. Avengers Endgame didn't make my top five mainly because of the absurd quality that some of the other stuff i saw this year uh had um and the same goes for uh, into the spider-verse um it came out last year uh it made my end of year list that year uh i believe and then this year it came out on blu-ray and it just made such an impact and the blu-ray is just so beautiful and the movie itself is so good the main reason it didn't make my top five of the year is because i already talked about it last year but it was still good enough to get an honorable mention this year it's that good for sure so that was really the movies i had i didn't actually watch many movies that really stood out to me this year yeah i mean my like honorable mention movies i had well i always do movies and tv shows and kind of videos all together mashed up um so i had crazy rich asians i like that one a lot but not quite a lot or not enough to make it onto my top five but i definitely enjoyed that movie so good that was almost an honorable mention on mine but i actually saw it on yours and i was like you know yeah that's i loved it but i haven't thought about it in a while so yeah, yeah. It, but it was it was definitely good enough to get honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home is on here. I liked right. it. I liked it for what it did, but it wasn't it wasn't like uh, I don't know mind blowing or like awe inspiring for me. It was just like a really really good Spider-Man movie. 
and mm-hmm. you know didn't okay. quite make the top five but is definitely in there and then my other two in this category are um fleabag and the boys so two amazon originals that are shows not movies um but right. the boys i know we talked about that a bunch you know just like a totally different take on superheroes and i love how it twisted the genre around and did new things with it like it's so rare to see new things with superheroes these days and then fleabag was this slice of life it's just two seasons and every episode is fairly short they're like 20 minutes and it was so compelling i watched the whole thing in like two nights and i'm still thinking about it right it's not quite to the level of like oh my god it's like the top of my year but it's definitely way up there. And that's one where I see those on your list, and I'm like, thank you, and you're welcome, because I got you to watch Fleabag, and yes. you got me to watch The Boys. So uh, Fleabag is absolutely, if I remember, I'll actually just scroll up. Uh, Fleabag is, yeah, it's on my list of honorable mentions as well. Like, it is so good. Jennifer got me to watch it. Um, it is, it is, It breaks the fourth wall so much and so well. There is not another TV show that I can compare it to, but it is incredibly vulgar. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's gratuitously vulgar, but it serves a purpose within the narrative. Uh, so it's not something you watch with your kids, but it's absolutely something that I can recommend, but not compare to anything else out there for y'all. Yeah, and then you had a bunch of other TV stuff too, right? I did. I had tons of TV this year. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend ended. It was my, uh, it's one of my probably top three TV shows ever. The way that it handles mental health, just the characters, pretty much everything about the production of it. I'm still listening to the soundtrack from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I was listening to it today while I worked, actually. I pulled up a couple of videos that I like. I've run to songs from it while I'm running. Um, when I was having a really bad depression day, like really, really, really bad. I made myself get up and go out and run, and I probably listened to the song Diagnosis uh, five or six times that day while I ran because it's this upbeat, uh, inspiring thing about finding, uh, about getting a diagnosis and being on your way to getting better and knowing that there's some way to finally fix some of these problems and symptoms. Uh, So it's just a a magnificently uplifting show, uh, so well written. Um, Kim's Convenience was awesome uh did not think i was going to like it nearly as much but apparently i really love canadian sitcoms uh grace and frankie is one of the best tv shows that netflix has made in my opinion um i know austin and his wife had uh, watched it and thought it was for old people um but i completely disagree i think that it just because it's about old people doesn't mean that it is uh for old people uh it's about aging and i can't remember if you watched it or not did you i watched the first couple seasons I liked it, but I, I just need to get back around to it. But it's definitely not a show for old people. It's a show for anybody. Yeah, it just deals with the things that you, that happen as you age. And I loved these characters. Jennifer and I just fell in love with this show. So we we watched it all the way through, then got sad because there are uh, no more seasons uh, right now. And there's one last season, I believe, coming out soon. Um, and then uh, I talked about Fleabag. Like I said, it was on mine. And then just night before last, we finished the new season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you seen it yet? Uh, not the newest. I think I only saw the first season, but I liked it a lot. Oh, okay. I thought you had watched the second as well. I thought maybe. you had gone back and watched I it. I might have. I don't remember how many there are, but I've definitely watched one and maybe two seasons, and I, I liked what I watched. 
Yeah, and it's great. Like, you got me to watch this as well. I think you and Jennifer combined got me to watch this one. Uh, it is so good, and Rachel Brosnahan is marvelous as Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> See what I did there? And it's uh, like this new season is very, very good. They've uh, really hit a they've really hit a a stride on this one. So it's it's just a such a good series, and it's been renewed for a season four as well. So I can't wait. But it does end on a cliffhanger. Uh, Kind of it. It kind of ends on a cliffhanger. So I uh, I can't wait for season four to come out already. And I, ended, I finished it two days ago. <laughs> Sweet. So that's kind of like between the two of us, books or not books, uh, movies, TVs, shows, that kind of stuff. Um, we both have podcasts, which is interesting because right. you don't always have a podcast in yours at all. So I'm, you better talk about yours first. I don't actually have a whole lot to say because I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I, I started listening to The Adventure Zone this year, uh, despite, well, I shouldn't say despite, because of uh, a lot of prodding from you and a lot of our listeners. Um, I didn't finish the first arc. I'm working on, uh, I finished the first arc, maybe at I don't remember where I'm at and how they divided it up where I'm at, but it's such a good storytelling show. I love it. I love the people who do it. Um, I just haven't sat down and gone back to finish up where I was, uh, mainly because I've been listening to audiobooks and music a lot more while I run and honestly just haven't put back the uh, Adventure Zone on, into my rotation, but it is every bit as good as y'all were making it out to be, so uh, thank y'all for, for letting me know about that. <laughs> yeah, well, meanwhile, I'm on my, like, 10th re-listen to it right now, so yes, it's good. I'll enjoy it. Um, for podcasts for me <laughs> this year, uh, I, I always try a lot. Uh, not a ton of them really stuck this year for long enough to make the list for me, but I had a couple. So, Strong Songs, I know I've talked about, and it's this like in-depth dive into an individual song and kind of breaking down the constituent parts and talking about what makes the song what it is and what's different about it, what's unique, what techniques are people using, and like kind of isolating the different pieces and then seeing how they all come together. And right. it's just it reminded me how much I love music and it actually like has me considering picking up a musical instrument if I can ever find the time, which is something I've kind of thought about off and on over the years. But this podcast specifically is making me like really give it another thought. So I have really? to call it out for that. Um, and then the other one is 13 minutes to the moon. This is one of those like limited run podcasts where it's not uh, ongoing it's a limited amount of episodes, but the episodes that are there are fantastic. So it's this in-depth look at the moon landing process. And right. it dives into all of the different things that went into the moon landing and some stuff around the time and like all the different teams that worked on all the different things. And um, one of the coolest things that comes out of it, you know, after all these interviews, after all of this talking and analysis and like learning about it, is that by the end of the podcast, there's a bonus episode right at the end. And it's basically just the 13 minutes of radio chatter as they're landing on the moon. And huh. if you have listened to all the episodes up to there, you can just sit down and listen to those 13 minutes and know exactly what is happening at every step along the way and what they're talking about. And wow. it's one of those things where like you've heard this NASA chatter so many times because it's super famous, those 13 minutes to the moon. I never knew what like any of it meant except for the very obvious stuff. And now I know 
all of the things that are going on and it just it blows me away so i have to call out 13 minutes to the moon it was fantastic that would be really awesome i didn't know i know you've talked about it before i didn't realize the very last episode was like that 13 minutes of radio chatter that would be so interesting to listen to especially with the the commentary uh or not the commentary the context from the the rest of the show like you said yeah and it's only Um, like 10 ish episodes all in maybe it's like 10 or 15 but it's not a super long-running podcast so like you can work through it and then be done with it you know it's almost like an extended audiobook that's awesome like yeah. that's that's really cool that it, it's not that long um i was running in a kind of a tangent that's related kind of to that um i was running the rocket city half marathon well half the rocket city marathon uh, this this past weekend and they have a race app that lets you track lets people track you uh live so it, jennifer was uh, tracking me and everything and it gave me notifications audio notifications every mile telling me my splits things like that but as i I'm walking or I'm running through this uh, the NASA Space and Rocket Center uh, beside the uh, like Saturn V rocket. All of a sudden, my music goes down really low, and I just hear uh, Buzz all not Buzz Aldrin, uh, Neil Armstrong uh, say, "You know, it's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind." And he uh, like I was like, "What in the world is going on? Why do I hear that in my headphone?" And then I realized it was that tracking app that I hear that that sound as I'm running by a Saturn five rocket and then underneath a space shuttle in just a few minutes like it was so well put together that uh hearing about the uh, radio chatter reminded me of that just coming in and cutting in and hearing uh some of that that dialogue yeah so it's it's really cool 13 minutes to the moon highly highly recommended um and then books for the year you and i were talking about this we don't have like a ton of books which is surprising because you and i usually read a decent amount and find some good stuff but like yep. i i looked back i read slightly less than normal but not extremely less than normal it's just that like the stuff i was reading didn't end up becoming mind-blowing or amazing or super fantastic it was just like it, it was good right but it was a lot of good yeah. but not great it's kind of where i landed with books for the year that's generally how I've been as well. I uh, I have some that I thought were worth mentioning, but didn't quite make the uh, anywhere near the top of my list. Skyward by Brandon Sanderson. That one's on mine too. Super good. Yes. So good. Uh, book two was apparently out. And uh, I bought it. I'd pre-ordered it and didn't realize it. So I'm looking forward to reading that once I finish the Lightbringer book five, uh, The Burning White, which is probably the best book I've read this year. I'm not finished with it, but Brent Weeks is finishing out this series amazingly. It is unbelievably good and uh, the way that everything is coming together there's a lot of little things that I may not remember from the other four books because they've been so spread out from reading them as they come out but the the way that he ties the world back in together it, it, it explains everything without it being expository so I really appreciate that and it's just well written and I think that uh, you should read this very soon it's just a very long it's like a thousand pages long so it's a yeah. it's a it's a uh, it, it's an investment of your time which is why I haven't finished it yet yeah it's like literally the next book on my list to read so awesome it's there I yep. can't wait to to hear what you think about it uh, because of some of the stuff that they've done with the uh, the stru- he's done with the structure of the book as well as what's going on in the story too. So I look forward to that. Um, I still think you'll finish it before me because I only read at night uh, before I go to bed. 
I wanted to give an honorable mention to Aftermath Life Debt by uh, Chuck Wendig, the second in the Aftermath trilogy of Star Wars books. Um, Empire's End is good, but I haven't finished it yet. Life Debt was excellent, and I really thought they did good things with uh, Chewie and Han's relationship uh, in it, so I really appreciated that. And then The Consuming Fire by John Scalzi, the second of the uh, the second in the Interdependency books. It is so so good that is one of the best series that uh, i've may have ever read uh, and by the time it finishes it probably will be just as good as any other like space opera epic sci-fi thing that's out there maybe better it's just crazy good yeah i've either read all of those books you just said or i've read parts of the series so yes those all those are all solid i mean skyward is on mine right like that's an honorable mention for me this year skyward was good but not quite at the level of the other things that did make my top five and yeah. then um the only other book on here that i really liked was every tool is a hammer and you know that's the one with adam's adam savage and he dives into what it means to be a maker and being creative and all of this stuff around it and um it has it kind of coalesces a lot of what he's talked about on podcasts on shows and other things in the past but in a more structured format so i really like that book so if you are a maker or if you're a fan of any of the stuff that adam savage has ever done either of those two camps it's definitely a book that's worth picking up every tool is a hammer that does sound really neat i don't think i would like it terribly much but i think it sounds really neat yeah i don't think i you're just not a fan of him the way that i am yeah um and then oh yeah yeah exactly it's just it's a wonderful concept yeah yeah and i enjoyed it a lot um then the only other thing on honorable mentions here for me is uh meditation apps and Mm. this is one i thought about a lot because like i feel like the two that I landed on are Insight and Headspace. And okay. Insight Timer is explicitly what it is, but right. Insight and Headspace. And they're both really, really good. The reason that they didn't make my top five is not for the quality of the app. It's for my failure to integrate them into my life better. Like, uh, I feel like if I had done these regularly, if I was really making time to do this every day or even like once a week, you know, more religiously, it it would have probably cracked my top five because I can see how much they help me. Like just, you know, my mental headspace is in a good way. Um, yeah. And I've just, I've failed. I failed to integrate them into my life and I wish that I had done better. That's the way I feel about 10% happier. Jennifer and I were going through it, doing it nightly. And after about three weeks, we kind of stopped integrating it. And so it, uh, it didn't, I didn't even include it as an honorable mention on mine because I felt, I felt like a failure with it because I did, I failed to integrate it like you did. So, but it's absolutely worth doing y'all go back and listen to our episode on meditation and, and, and things like that and apps like that it's totally cool yeah and i don't really do new year's resolutions but i definitely am going to make an effort to like get back to these and try them some more you know i'm not going to go all the way to saying i'm going to do it every single day because that's that's a recipe for failure because that's a big commitment but yeah just saying that like i'm going to get back to them i'm going to do more of it and i'm going to try to find a way that's more sustainable to do it you know instead of trying to make it a daily habit because it's just that didn't quite work for me but there's right. some middle ground there that i feel like if i strike the right balance it's probably a good thing that's yeah that's about the way it is for me like i'll i meditate not guided but i meditate a lot it's just at different times and places during the day like in the bathtub or while i'm at my desk or driving or something yeah so that's kind of our honorable mentions uh we both have our top five list for best of the rest before we do that this is always where we like to ask for 
reviews and remind you guys that Patreon exists. So like reviews, that's a that's a huge way you guys can help us. It's totally free on your part. Just take a minute like now because I know that you won't remember at the end of the episode. I know you're not going to remember in a week. Like this is the only time when you're listening to this, this is really the only time that you would actually do it. And I know because I'm a podcast listener. I'm the same way. I don't blame you guys. So like seriously, if you want to give us a holiday present, the best thing you can do for us is like pause right now. Don't even pause. You can keep listening to us. I don't care. But <laughs> go into your podcast app and give us a review. Five stars would be appreciated. But you know, whatever you think, be honest. Um, that's huge. That helps us a ton. And then uh, Patreon. You want to tell them about how Patreon is actually like important. I know we talk about it every week, but you know, it actually helps a lot. It does. It it helps a great deal. Uh, Patreon covers costs that we have for working on the podcast and the website, uh, web hosting, podcast hosting, domain names, all of that kind of stuff. The uh, the nitty gritty back end kind of stuff. That's where the money from Patreon goes. So it goes directly back into the podcast so that we can keep making it uh, and keep putting out more and more content uh, for you guys. So if you want to, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and uh, check out the uh, the cool rewards that we've got for you and uh just you know support us and uh show us that you love us yeah by doing that or going and giving a review we appreciate it either way we really do um, okay before we get into our top five there may be a special guest spot i always try to recruit my family for these this time of year so if there is one it'll be right here are you ready yes she's nodding okay this is my uh special guest for this particular episode my children made the cut for the games of the year episode and you made a special appearance right near the end of that one. But for this, you get your own segment. So my wife is here, your wife. Wait, how do you go? What do you go by? It always confuses me. This is your wife. Yes, thank you. This I'm, is I'm here with your wife. I am here with your wife, my wife. The most <laughs> confusing thing. Um, you have your own top five list, and we're going to run through it really quick. This is the best of the rest episode. So in the spirit of best of the rest, everything not video game related, what kind of list do you have for us today? I bet you can't guess. It's plants. <laughs> I can guess because we're surrounded by them. Well, I had to pull them all together to have them sitting in front of me um, so I can, you know, so I can see them as we go through. I could do this without the plants around me, but, you know, where's the fun in that? Yeah, no, I understand. So you said you have a top five list, and I see about nine plants here. Well, I'm going to say that, yes, this one, I don't know if you want to count it as a plant. This is actually a tree. It is. It's and kind of, it's a tree. It's like at least as tall as a five-year-old. Um, You know, a, a, a mid-level four-year-old, I wouldn't go all the way to five. Okay, I mean, agree like to disagree. 50 percentile, it's about up to my waist, and I'm an average height person. And then this actually is just cuttings in water. They have roots and stuff, but there's not any soil in there. So is that a plant? Yes, those are definitely plants. I'm looking at them. They are plants. All right, so I'm going to go, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say nine. These are different kinds in the same cup. Okay, well, you have a lot here, yep. so let's dive in. You have honorable mentions first before you have a top five. I do. I have two honorable mentions. One is a ficus tenecki. That is the tree. The literal tree it's sitting in the room with tree. us. Yep. You can, have, uh, you can have it in bush form. You can have it in tree form. I really like this one because it looks like a dinner plate sized camouflage leaf. And the outsides are a nice ivory cream color, and the stems are pink. There's just a lot going on there, and the care is really simple. And it's um, a ficus elastica, which means it's a rubber plant. And the leaves are really succulent and thick, and I really like feeling them. 
Okay, but just an honorable mention for the literal tree sitting next to us. What's yes. what else do you have in here for honorable mention? My other honorable mention is um, is a Tradescantia bunny bellies. That's a little vining plant with uh, purple stems and purple. Uh, purple stems and green leaves and it just grows it just goes so so quickly but the thing that i like most it's called bunny bellies because it is so soft it feels like a bunny's belly it does it does i enjoy touching that plant in particular yeah i like that one a lot is that it for honorable mentions yep those are the two i brought oh okay so what are the other seven for your top five that are sitting here (laughs) (laughs) number five we'll start with number five which is a tie between two Okay. I'll take your comments off the air. <laughs> the um, <laughs> the philodendron scandens and the epipremnum neon or the neon pothos. So when you get started in plants, you start with either a Hartley philodendron or some kind of easygoing pothos. And people kind of get contentious over which one is better. They're absolutely the same. It's the same. It's different plants, but they're so similar and they both have all these different colors and and all these different kinds and everything i started as a pothos person and i started with my second plant that i ever bought was a neon pothos i love it i still have it it's beautiful um but when i got my first heartleaf philodendron it's just a green heartleaf vining plant this one it's um I just I just love it. I love it so much. And they have subtle differences here and there, but they're really, really similar. So I'm going to have to go ahead and tie those, I think, because this just looks like it belongs in my life forever. But the Neon Pothos has a special place in my heart. And those are good starter plants. Those are really good starter plants, I think. Okay, so if someone's listening for starter plants, give the names again for those ones. That is a Neon Pothos, really any pothos neon pothos yeah or um this is a philodendron scandens okay got it the green one number four number four we're there just for reference they're literally all green i'm looking at all of them for the whole list i'm i'm wait i'm sorry i'm sorry is this green yes is that green yes those are not oh my gosh those are not there's so many different shades of green and the subtleties and the variegations i agree they're still they're literally all green okay number four okay i can literally have all green plants and the textures are all different on every single one of these plants each has a unique texture i'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying number four Okay, we're going to stay in the philodendron vein and tangentially go to a philodendron micans. It is exactly the same as a philodendron scandens, which we just covered, except the leaves are uh, slightly darker green. They are red on the back. New growth comes in dark red or pink and then fades to green. And the texture is velvety. It feels soft. It's not fuzzy like the bunny bellies, but it's still a thin leaf um, that's just really, really soft. And I really like touching this one. Care, again, is super, super easy, uh, just like the other vining philodendrons. Okay, nice. Number three? Number three. Okay, so number four and number three were really, really close, but I'm going to give number three to the green maranta variegated. So green maranta or a green prayer plant also comes in a lot of different colors, and I have a couple different ones, but this one is just really striking to me. It looks like it just has brush strokes of yellow ivory on each leaf, and it's so easy. You just I just put it in the bathroom, and it stays there, and it grows. I water it sometimes, and it's just never given me any grief. 
So that's why I'm going to go ahead and give that one uh, the number three spot. Sweet. Um, that's not the fainting one, right? No, that's not the fainting one. We are doing the curly one and then the fainty one. Okay, got it. So number two is the curly one. Number two is... Okay, so there's a little bit of... It can be hard to actually learn the name of this plant because... It goes by so many different names. The actual name is a Syndapsis pictus. So some people call this the satin pothos. It looks like a pothos. It acts like a pothos. See this plant right here? They can't can't see it. No, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to... Okay. Yeah. So this plant has like the same shaped leaves as this one. You know, so the leaves look exactly the same. And so it's really easy to see that you would uh, mistake this for some kind of pothos. But the thing that I really like about the Syndapsis pictus, it's, again, a vining plant. The leaves are green with silver speckles all over it. So it's kind of like a jaguar or a Dalmatian kind of pattern. And the silver is sparkly in the light. Plus the texture overall with these leaves is like a suede, which I can't get over. I know the Mykins has like a velvety texture, but it's still a really thin leaf. And this one's just, it's a nice, solid, suede-like leaf. It's really nice. Like I just, I can't stop each leaf. She's still touching it. Same. She like, keeps touching it. Is that leaf the same? Yeah, all of them. All of them feel the same. They're beautiful. And okay. it, it vines. I guess I'm really into the vining plants. And um, the care is really easy. It can take a lot of different kinds of light. And when it needs water, the leaves curl up. It's super simple. When it's curly, give it a drink. And the next day, it pops right back up. That's great. Okay. And then, so what's your plant of the year, number one? Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, we're looking around at all of these, like, green vines. And I'm kind of like, here's my whole thing. And I love texture. And I love, obviously, green vining plants. And my number one is actually, like, a stand-up plant. It has it does not vine at all. Um, it is the, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this name? It's the... Isn't it the Selby? That's what you call it. It's the Selby, but it's the Homolomina Selby. The Homolomina Selby. So it's a cousin of the Chinese evergreen. And I bet if you've been in any doctor office or dentist's office or anything, you've seen a Chinese evergreen. It is an office plant. Like every office has either a peace lily or some kind of Chinese evergreen. And this is its cousin. So it's really similar in growth pattern and all that. It just kind of... Like it's like a bush almost comes up like a fan. And um, these leaves are suede, just like the uh, Syndapsis pictus. So I think I'm getting kind of into a favorite there. I like the suede leaves. And this one still, they look like they've just been brushed. The middle, the middle line on the leaf is this super dark green. And then the rest of it has this lime green uh, brush strokes on it with little specks of the dark green throughout the leaves and they grow really fast the outside of the leaves when they first come in are like a dark red like you can see that leaf coming in right there like it looks like it's going to be red it'll open up and be green and then the care again super simple i keep it in high light or low light or 
bathroom or downstairs or wherever and when it needs water it literally faints it falls down that's my favorite thing about this plant it faints for you when it's like hey i need water because like i'm dying like it's not actually dying it's just a drama queen yeah we call these the diva plants and i have a couple of them that will faint when they need water and it's great because I don't have to, like, check it ever. You just wait for it to look like it's dead. And then <laughs> give it a little drink. And, and plus, it'll drink um, it'll drink tap water, which some of, some of my plants get distilled water. They only get distilled water or rainwater in the summer because they need it yeah, that's for, a, for their leaves. That's a rabbit hole. So, plant of the year, Selby. Plant of the year, Hama Lamina Selby. Perfect. Yeah, it looks like you have some viney stuff. Some suede stuff, things that are nice to touch, lots of greens, some textures, and then a fainting plant. And I fainting, like it. Yeah, I, I could absolutely recommend all of these to beginner plant owners. So if you pick one, let's leave people with one thing. If they're going to actually go out and look for their very first plant, what's the one? I think everybody could get something from the syndapsis, this guy. The, syndapsis. The syndapsis pictus. Yep. It's green, it vines, it grows really fast, it can take a lot of different kinds of light, it curls up when it needs water, easy there, and it's sparkly and it's suede. I can't get enough. Perfect. Like literally I can't get enough. I think I have five of them. And we're back, hopefully, from a special segment. I think so. Um, (laughs) Best of the rest, top five, right? Top five of 2019. So again, just one last time before we dive into this, these are things that came out this year as of when we're recording this. So that means that there's one thing on my list that's definitely from last year. And then also the other thing we have to call out because we know it's going to come up. Rise of Skywalker has not released yet as of us recording this. So it's not eligible for our list this year, but it will be next year. And there will probably be a podcast episode about it sometime in the next month because I don't see how there wouldn't be. Right. Unless it is a complete and total monstrosity i think that we would uh and i say that complete and total monstrosity uh because we didn't do one over solo and i like solo a lot but neither of us were in a space to do a whole episode on it so hopefully rise of skywalker does not hit that level of us being eh yeah and i mean it comes out like right during our break from the podcast for the year like the one true break we take so we'll see but either way it's not eligible for this year so that's why it's not on either of our lists um okay let's get into it what's your number five my number five this year is actually spider-man far from home um i thought a lot about it i thought about how much i enjoyed it and end game and into the spider-verse and just everything that marvel did this year and spider-man far from home ended up being uh my number five because of how it wrapped almost everything up that Endgame didn't. It was one that I've enjoyed watching more often than I did Endgame because Endgame is so intense. Um, I've enjoyed going back and just watching Peter Parker and Mary Jane and all of the, or MJ and all of the uh, other characters interact. And, and you know, I, I just love Spider-Man. And so I think that they've wrapped up uh, Phase 4 really, really well. Or was that Phase 3? I never can remember. Which one was it? Yes, it was the phase that ended. It was phase yes. three, I think. That was phase three that ended. We're going into phase four. Okay. I liked the way that they wrapped up phase three. I liked how they, they were really moving forward with something different. And I don't know. I just really, really liked that movie. And it would have been replaced by Into the Spider-Verse, but 
it uh, came out last year, and I talked about it last year on my best of. So I was like, that's not fair uh, because the Blu-ray came out this year, uh, but it's still it's so good. But Far From Home, I I absolutely adore it. So I had to put it on number five. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Like I said, it was in my honorable mentions. I enjoyed it, just not quite enough to make my top five, but I totally see why it's there for you. My number five is uh, The Imagineering Story. And Oh, yeah. I, I loved this. Like, I, And part of it, you know, I talked to other people about it. I convinced some people to try it, and not everybody loves it. And so, so for some people, it's just what? a documentary. And that's fine huh. because it's it's like the history of Disneyland. It's the history of Disney World. It's really it's Disney theme parks. Right. And yeah. a couple other things that are also done by the Imagineers like Disney cruises and stuff like that. But it's mostly Disney theme parks. And that part is fascinating to me. And that part's interesting. But the reason it's on my top five is probably twofold. One is that I used to go to Disney World a lot as a kid because my grandparents lived in Florida for part of the year. They were snowbirds. That's what we have in Minnesota. Okay. You know, people have, when you retire, usually you keep some kind of house in Minnesota and then you go somewhere else for part of the year when it's really cold here. So my grandparents had a house in Florida and we were down there a lot. So I have a lot of memories of Disney World with that are really positive memories. And then... The other part of it here is that I've been a creative professional literally my entire career since the time I was 15. Like I have been doing creative work of one kind or another and seeing how they build the things they build and approach the projects that they approach is just it's so completely fascinating to me as a creative professional because I do projects not to the scale that they're doing, but it's also not that dissimilar to a lot of the things that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. Like, hey, here's a huge initiative that takes a bunch of creative power, but also you have to figure out how to execute it at the end of the day. Go do that. Like, that is my job a lot of the time. So seeing how that works at the Disney level and especially at like a theme park level, which is a little bit outside of what, you know, I do. It's just so fascinating to me. I loved it. So yeah, the Imagineering story number five, I, I highly, highly recommend it. It's so good. Like I, I've only ever seen, I've, I've only seen the first episode of it. I've seen half of the second one, but I fell asleep, uh, because it was, it's very good. Like I was just, just bonked. And so I didn't get to uh, finish it. It wasn't boring, uh, but I love it. And so it amazes me when you said that you've heard people be like, oh, it's just a documentary where I find it magical. Like I'm looking at it from a different perspective as you are, because I haven't worked on that kind of project and put everything together like that. But I'm seeing it from, uh, from the, the, the Disney fan perspective, the person who loves the history of this just company and love and loves that kind of thing in general and so it does it it feels really magical to me to watch that i can't imagine it not affecting other people that way and uh in one of the episodes it's either episode two or three katie from tea time sister is in it did you know that did you see her talk about that cool yeah so it's uh not as a talking head or anything so y'all don't have to pay attention to that but just know that there's a little easter egg for those who can find her yeah, very cool. Uh, okay, what's your number four? My number four is actually the John Wick series. Um, I came very, 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 very late to these. Everyone told me how wonderful they were. And this year I discovered how great they are. Um, John Wick 3 came out in the theater and people were talking about how wonderful it was and how much they were enjoying going and seeing it. And I was like, man, I can't go see that. I haven't seen the other ones. So Jennifer and I went to... Uh, uh, I don't think we went and rented out 
think we got it at Redbox. We we rented the first one and we watched it, and uh, I adored it. Like I'm not usually a fan of mindless violence and action, but this one is so stylized that, and it's not necessarily mindless. It it it's, it serves the narrative again. Um, just it's done so well that they've created this weird world where the 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 assassins have their own currency that makes no sense whatsoever and like just this underworld that they have that is self-contained uh and within the that's hidden from the rest of the world like i just love the way that they've done this series um it's pretty they've done great things with the colors the colors are saturated and and really 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 pop it's just the the choreography is great and keanu reeves really has always been one of my favorite action stars that uh since i was uh 16 and saw him in the matrix i've been a really big keanu reeves fan so uh it's not something like his resurgence has done it's like no i've always been a neo fanboy. so i'm i'm really really glad that uh that he's in those movies and they're they're so good like i really love them jennifer cannot however stay awake during them because it's not that she doesn't like them or is bored by them she just curls up and has fallen asleep in the middle of every single one of the three <laughs> okay i need to get so, around to them i do want to watch them at some point they are really really good and it's it's surprising to me how good they are based on what they are i expected it to be something kind of like uh something ridiculous like crank or uh, uh i can't remember the one with uh, clive owen in it uh, shoot him up i thought it was gonna be something like that and it's not it's uh, it's just it's really really well done and there's actual characterization to it and super good i uh i can't wait for you to see them and i want to know what you think <laughs> about them then i didn't know you hadn't seen them given that you had played the uh turn-based strategy game yeah no not yet but i'm glad that you found a series that you like so much that's awesome i did yeah cannot wait for the uh the next one for me uh number four is restaurant to another world so mm -hmm. it's an anime i'm surprised that an anime ever cracked my top five but here we are it did this year and this is one where i had kind of put out the call like i had I can't remember if I was sick at home or if I had a couple days off or there was something. I don't remember. But I, I was just like, hey, give me every single anime recommendation that I can find on any streaming platform anywhere and I will give it a shot at least for a couple minutes. And I got a list of like 70-ish or something from yeah. our community. It was crazy. I tried every so single many. one. Yeah, there were so many. I tried every single one. And there were a couple that I watched a few episodes into. Um, this is the only one that I watched all the way to the end. And it was just it was amazing it's it's probably my fa favorite anime ever it's such a weird premise there's a restaurant in this world and every i can't remember if it's saturday or sunday one of the weekend days um the shop closes down because the door instead of opening out to our world like it does most of the week it opens out into all of these magical realms and the door just kind of magically moves around between different worlds and universes and stuff and all of these people come in and they have different dishes that they like. And so it's this like different character portraits through the food they eat. But then you get the backstory about the characters and they kind of flash back into their life or they talk about it. And every episode is really two episodes. So even though it's only a half an hour, it's really like two 15 minute shorts about that character and about the stories around them. And they slowly build up the mythology over the course of the season as you get to recognize the characters. And, oh, yeah, I saw them mm. in another episode or, oh, I've seen them in the background for a bunch of episodes and here they are having their own, you know, and by the end of it, I was just like, 
I want more. And there wasn't more, and I was very disappointed. So strange that an anime cracks the top five for me, but Restaurant to Another World is definitely my number four. Are they going to make more of this one, or is it done? I have no idea. I I don't keep up on anime enough to know. I think I looked it up, and there weren't any plans to make a second season when I finished okay. it, but that was probably six months ago at this point. Yeah, I just couldn't remember. I knew that uh, it was. I knew it was one or the other, and I can't couldn't remember which it was. Like, yes, yeah, something's coming, or no, this is it. So I I just didn't remember which side of the coin had it had fallen on. Yep. So that was really good. Um, you have number three. What's your number three? Okay, so my number three this time is actually Captain Marvel. Um, it is so good. Um, I have gone back and watched it, and it is one of those movies that every single time I've gone back and watched Captain Marvel this year, I've liked it better. So I had to include it, and I actually included it higher than Spider-Man Far From Home because of that particular aspect of it, that every time I watch Spider-Man Far From Home, it's been, yeah, that's really good. And every time I watch Captain Marvel, I see something else in it that I that I like that makes me like it more. Um, I really, really just like the performance performance the story i like how they have uh i just like how they characterized captain marvel i like brie larson as captain marvel and it really did make me a captain marvel fan that when i see her in other media uh like in marvel ultimate alliance 3 or marvel strike force or uh, whatever it is it makes me want to play as her uh because of how much i liked her in that movie and so it uh it did make me look at Endgame a little bit differently because of how much I like it, because the Endgame stuff was shot well before the Captain Marvel movie was, so they hadn't finished everything out. Um, and so just with Captain Marvel itself, I've seen how how much it means to people. Like, it's, it's weird. Like, I've seen a lot of people talk, and I've known a lot of people here in, uh, in town locally who I've talked to, that uh, Captain Marvel, seeing the, the way that it was handled and then again in Endgame uh, that it meant a lot to them uh, to have Captain Marvel as a, uh, a title character and it so I like that my nephew uh, it one is has just like gone all in on Captain Marvel he loves Goose but uh, like he loves her as well so it's interesting for me I wanted to include it as number three on this one for that as well because he's nine years old and very much in that in that phase of I don't like princesses I do not like Disney princess movies. Ugh, you want to go see Frozen 2? Why do you want to go see Frozen 2, Uncle BJ? And uh, it was, I was like, because it's awesome. Uh, but Captain Marvel is one of his is probably his favorite Marvel movie at this point and it's just uh, one of those that I just think because of stuff like that it's just done so well that it had to be my number three sweet yeah that's one of those movies that like the reason it didn't even make an honorable mention for me is nothing to do with the quality of the movie it's that it like it failed to stick in my head like I saw uh, it it was really good it was really really good and I know how important it is as a movie and as part of the franchise and how much it meant to other people and it completely slipped my mind when I was putting this list together. Like, I don't know why that one failed to stick in my head. Maybe it's the time of year that it came out. And it just, I don't know, something about it. Like, I wish that it had, I wish that I had thought about it more, right? A lot of the things that end up on my end of the year list are things that after I finish them, I spend a lot of time thinking about them, whether or not I actually rewatch them, replay them, reread them or whatever. But like, yeah. they take up a lot of headspace for me. And Captain Marvel, it was amazing in the moment. 
And then like within a week, I don't think I thought about it again. So that's kind of huh. where I landed on that one. But I'm glad that you liked it so much because it was really good. I don't have any doubt about that in my head. Oh, yeah. And it's it's something that I don't. I don't doubt that it uh, that it hit like that because it it was a very strange release date for it because it was released before Endgame uh, and then just immediately again before uh, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home came out. So it was a bam, 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 Marvel time. And Captain Marvel was like the first of that. So it's very yeah. easy to get overwhelmed at that superhero fatigue uh, that we had talked about and done an episode on where there's just so much. I don't doubt it. No matter how good it is, if there's so much of it, you can't pay attention to it all and keep it all in your in your brainy parts. Yeah. And I mean, so my next one is also Marvel. My number three is Into the Spider-Verse. And this is the one that it came out last year. And if I had seen it last year, it would have been on my last year list. But I didn't see it until after we recorded this episode last year. And then I saw it over kind of the break that we take. And it was just it's amazing. And we've talked about it a lot. So I'm not going to dwell on it here. But the art and the cinematography and the style of it, plus the story and the characters and just everything that they did with this movie it's probably one of the best superhero movies ever made and i love it so that's probably all i'll say because i know that we've talked about it so much this year but yeah into the spider-verse <laughs> is my number three yeah it's it's just super good and it's something that i know that i didn't say it for uh when i was talking about it on uh, my list but if you are even remotely interested in animation and animative animative styles i don't even know how to say that but the the techniques of animation the styles you need to watch this movie and then go look at behind the scenes stuff uh how they have handled the the technology is astonishing and the visuals are it's going to be one of those movies that i go and look at in 10 years and it's still going to look just as good because of how stylized it is uh rather than uh, them doing different kinds of cgi and things like that just trying to uh to make the world it's just the techniques are so good like they've done so many cool things yeah the visuals are just like nothing you've ever seen so yeah yeah it's it's just it's incredible it's such a good movie it is um so number two, you and I both have the same number two. So we do. It's surprising. That doesn't happen very often, but it's the Mandalorian for both of us. Yes. And and I figured it was going to be on both of our lists. Me too. I actually thought it might be the number one on both of our lists. But as I was putting mine together, thinking about the rest of this year, uh, my number one actually did push it down because I had it listed at number one. Okay, so I had this listed at number one for a couple weeks here, and then I moved it within the last week as I was finalizing this list, too. So I think you and I are kind of in sync on this one, which is interesting. And for me, the reason that I didn't make this number one is because the quality of the show has kind of... It's not that it's bad, but the first three episodes were just like amazing and groundbreaking. And then the next three episodes, because we're six episodes in as of when we're recording this episode, um, the next three episodes were okay like they were they were good they were solid but they didn't quite hit the same tone and the same like bar of quality as the first three in my mind and mm. it's not that you know it kind of starts to go towards monster of the week format even though it's not monsters it's like bounty of the week format um and that's not bad it's just a choice that they made really the reason that it's so high on my list though and the reason that i almost made it number one if it was number one it would have been this it's because 
of what it means for Star Wars as a franchise. And the fact that Star Wars can now open up again and not just be these tentpole movies, they've been so protective of the IP ever since Disney got it. And it feels like we're finally getting to the point where things open up, right? We talked about Jedi Fallen Order. That's part of it. Like, hey, there's actually good canon stories now, and they're able to make single-player games again. That's a huge stride forward. I think this is the other huge stride forward. Live-action TV it's made for, I mean, you know, it's like for like PG-13, so it's like adults, you know, it's not just kids, but it's teenagers and above. Um, but it's just what this means for the future of Star Wars. Like, I really hope the future of Star Wars is a lot of live action TV if this is what we get, because I want to see Star Wars get weird. I want to see it get different. I want to explore things that don't relate to any of the things that we've seen before. And that that's just why it's so good for me. Yeah, it's it, I was thinking about that the other day because you had talked about how you don't know if you can go back and watch any more of the kids shows that uh, with Rebels and Resistance and Clone Wars and the stuff that they've done previous to the Mandalorian. And I was thinking about that because this show has been every bit as high quality in terms of production and narrative style and everything that the movies have been. At least I think so. Like the set design, the characters, the uh, the um. The production quality, the special yeah, effects, a doubt, the production right? the, quality, the production they've quality. all hit that level. And as long as they can maintain that, I don't see the animated series being able to seem as as important. And I know that's silly because as much as I love the animated series, I love animation, it doesn't seem as though they'll be able to tell nearly as compelling stories after seeing what they can do with this world. And I loved all of the episodes a little bit more each time. I don't think that it actually fell off in quality or interestingness uh, than uh, when it first started. But this last episode, uh, the uh, I don't even remember the name of the chapter version of it. It may have been chapter six, um, but it was the only one that I felt was weaker because they hit some characters and had some acting choices that I thought were terribly obnoxious. And, uh, I don't know why they made some choices. They did, uh, I, I know why they made those choices well, with like the Twi'lek character. I understand why they made that choice, but it was the wrong choice in my opinion. And it brought the entire quality of the episode down. Um, other than that, I really liked the episode. Like, I really liked Bill Burr's character in the uh, in the episode, uh, the mercenary with the gun on his back with the robo arm. Uh, like, I really, really liked him. I think his name was Mayfeld or something like that. Like, I loved that episode in parts, but I thought that uh, they had made some weird choices finally on it. That uh, I can't wait to see where the rest of the season goes. Whether or not she is uh, she, I was looking at a text message. Whether or not the show uh, keeps like tying things together or uh, keeping up with the bounty of the week stuff. Right. But like you said, if they keep the production qualities and it's kind of that prestige level of TV, it's going to mm-hmm. be that's what I want. Right. I, I want more Star Wars in that vein. Like I'm all here for it. So that's why Mandalorian is number two for both of us. Um, yep. What do you have for number one? So my number one this year is actually an event that I went to um, in. I honestly don't remember what month it was, but we went to see Renee Elise Goldsberry in concert uh, with the Nashville Symphony. Um, it was 
the most magnificent performance I've ever seen. If y'all don't know who Renee Elise Goldsberry is, she played Angelica in the original cast of Hamilton on Broadway. Um, she plays uh, Quell Christ Falconer in Altered Carbon. So if you've seen that, uh, she plays Quell. But regardless, she is the single most talented performer I've ever seen in my life. I have never been more riveted. I've never seen someone who is that entertaining to watch. Like it's it's the quality of the show. Uh, the qu- the music was great. The symphony was fine. The symphony was great. That's what the band does. Uh, but the, the the people that she had, but her voice and her presence, just everything is inexplicable. Like I can't even tell y'all how it felt to be in there because when she started singing, it was just a whole different level of any concert or any performance I have ever seen. I can totally understand why people who saw the original cast of Hamilton on Broadway were completely knocked down by it because if because they're all that quality and uh, hearing her sing Satisfied and Skylar Sisters and uh, just on top of everything else that she sang, uh, her, she was Nala on the uh, on Broadway in The Lion King and so she sang Sal- so she sang Shadowlands. Um, it's just everything that she did was just about perfect actually i don't get moved by music very often but that was probably one of the best experiences of my life Uh, like just in terms of going and doing something so there's no way it could not have been number one um if she is on tour anywhere near you, I highly suggest that you go see her. And if she comes on tour again near us, we're going to go see her again. It is, she's just, she is just magnificent. It's, man, so good. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I'm glad that you found someone that you like that much. And like you said, if it moved you and normally that type of thing doesn't, that that speaks volumes. Yeah, and, and that's really what it was. It's like you think back and it's like, man, that was so good. And uh, where it's just one of those like those moments you cannot recreate in any shape, form, or fashion. It was a unique one-time uh, experience, which is what's so great about theater and uh, live performances in general and, and concerts like that. It can never be replicated, and it just kind of sits there as being this uh, this shining moment of the year. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, for me, I'm much more stereotypical. Last year, uh, <laughs> it was Hamilton, right? It was kind of like you. It was like moving, and it right. was like incredible. This year, my number one is Avengers Endgame, and I gotta, I gotta talk about why a little bit because some people are gonna have this on their like whatever of the year list, and they're gonna talk about Endgame. I know lots and lots of people are gonna do this. I think for most people, it's gonna be this is an amazing movie. It's my favorite movie ever. That's not me. I like this movie. It's a good movie. It's it's a really good movie. It's super strong. But the reason that it's my number one is because of the filmmaking feat of making this. They stuck the landing. And it is it is insane to me that this movie got made. And it's the end of like 21 other movies. And they all wrapped into this one. They all wrapped into it. Yep. Like absolutely everything ended up fitting into this movie that has never been done before and i doubt that it's ever going to happen ever again with any other series except that marvel might do it again right but the fact that this happened and it's the first time it's ever happened and it might never happen like this again it, it makes this movie such an accomplishment and 
I think because of that, it's the most impressive movie that has ever been made. It's not my favorite movie. It's not the best movie, but it is the most impressive movie that has ever been made, probably ever. And that's why I had to give it my number one. It's just, I know what goes into making a film or a video or even a 30 second ad, right? Like I come from that world. I did video production and film production for years and it's amazing that any video or film ever actually gets finished because making (laughs) anything is insanely difficult. They made 21 movies. They kept the tone consistent enough in the same world. And they built this world as they were like figuring it out. Like as they were going, they didn't have the whole plan up front. And while they did that, they were working towards this movie and they managed to make it all that way and stick the landing. And they did what they wanted to do. They did what they set out to accomplish. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by that right it's like the filmmaking side of it the production side of it the producing side of it and directing and just the planning aspect of it like that is why it is my number one it's also a good movie like okay you know we could talk about that but that's not what i want to talk about here i want to talk about the fact that it even exists is incredible to me yeah and there was a point where i was going through the list and trying to rank everything and thinking about it where my number one was very momentarily the mcu because we watched all of the MCU movies this year that uh, we took that time. And I think you did too. Did you this year? Or was that yeah. last year no, where you watched, watched all, all of them? them. Yep. Um, where we went through all of them and it didn't burn me out like I expected it to. I was very ready to be done watching superhero movies, but don't get me wrong, but it was a an experience where it was, this is all super good. They did such a good job on connecting all of this stuff that it is an experience when you do it, and it is a feat of engineering to be able to do it. We were watching a documentary on... Uh, not the documentary technically um it was the movies that made us it's like the toys that made us but about movies and we were watching the one on home alone and it really does hone in on that it's amazing that any movie ever gets made because of all of the uh, the moving parts that are are uh, are fighting each other uh and that movie got shut down and brought back in again and so so yeah it is crazy that these movies did what they set out to do it is amazing you're absolutely right yeah it was really really good i've like I said, I love what it was able to accomplish, and the fact that it exists is just astounding to me. And it's also a really solid movie. It's also a really good movie. But it's the filmmaking. It's the planning. It's the producing. All of that that went into it, that's why it's my number one for the year. Right. And yeah. I, I totally, totally understand that. Respect it and was right there with you. Yeah. I just I just labeled it differently when I did it. <laughs> um. So – that's it for this season of the Geek to Geek podcast. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully uninterrupted. Usually we come back with a bunch of geekery because we have taken like a two and a half, almost three week break at that point. It's our only yeah. real break for the year. So it will be season five. It will, which is insane. That is nuts that we will be starting season five that we uh, we have put out well over uh probably over at this point i haven't counted are we over 200 episodes yet yeah we, we have are, to be we must be somewhere in that range yeah there's a lot there's a lot of podcasts it's um, a lot of podcasts we have uh 200 we this is episode 200 we've already 200 is exactly what we have on uh, itunes right now as of episode 49 it was 200 no, neither of us realized that but we're going into season five and have done this weekly for over 200 episodes that's insane and we couldn't have done it without y'all. 
Yes. Well, y'all listeners, you keep us doing this. We love the community that's built up and the other people on the network and the other things that we've added to the network. And even though things have come and gone and switched in and out, it's just so cool to have this community and to have this kind of network of creators that has organically been building out, right? None of us are doing this for money or really making any money off of it. This is just like a passion project because we want geeks to connect with other geeks in positive ways. And the you guys have been what has made it. Like, that's why we do this. So with all that being said, that's probably it for this week. And we'll see you next week. Uh, you guys can write to us. And suggestions, feedback, comments, all of that stuff. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com. Or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussions on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, you can check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. You've been Void and Beej with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. Bye, geeks.